Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to John chapter 6 and reading for our text, verse 63. Verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. John 6 and verse 63. Our Lord constantly through his time on earth and ministry had to contend with those that were interpreting everything in a natural, not a spiritual way, a fleshly way, not a spiritual way. This was the case when our Lord spoke to Nicodemus concerning the new birth and he insisted on it that he must be born again. But Nicodemus said, how can a man when he is old be born, be entered into his mother's womb and be born? Again, the Lord insisted on the new birth, but Nicodemus had to overcome that thought that our Lord was speaking of a natural birth, not a spiritual one. The Lord was speaking of a spiritual birth. Then we have the earlier part of this chapter where our Lord work miracles to provide literal bread for the multitude. It was a miracle. And they followed him over the sea because they had eaten of those loaves. But they had completely overlooked the fact of the Lord's miracle. And so he said to them that ye see me, in verse 26 of this chapter, not because ye saw the miracles but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labour not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And again we have the comparison of the natural bread, spiritual bread. We have when our Lord was tempted by the devil, command that these stones be made bread. Now, Lord quoted in Deuteronomy, Man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So even Satan was tempting for a natural bread and for a miracle to satisfy our Lord's hunger after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. We have the disciples themselves saying, we trusted it should have been he that should have redeemed Israel. And their idea was a natural kingdom, a deliverance from Rome and from the Roman rule. And so they asked with the Lord before he ascended up into heaven, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom unto Israel? All the time they're looking for a natural interpretation here, our Lord is insisting in this chapter that they eat his flesh and drink his blood. 
Except ye eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And again, they are interpreting this in a natural way. Many uh, the disciples, they were saying, uh, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? Now, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And they're viewing it in a natural way. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says that the natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And every one of us, as we are born into this world, we are natural men and women and children. And we cannot discern, we cannot know spiritual things at all. If we were to say, well, we're born into this world and within a few years we learn the English language, we can understand it, we can hear it, and then someone says, well, can you, can you understand the Dutch language, if someone is speaking to you in another language and you say, it's impossible, I have not learned that language, I do not know what is being said, I don't understand it at all, then we can understand a little of the impossibility of a natural man understanding spiritual things without being made spiritually alive and without being given a spiritual ear. And when the Lord does that, it will be new, it will be different. They will hear in a different way, see differently than they saw before. But we need to really bear this in mind, that this is what we are prone to do, what we will do and can only do, without the Spirit of God, without spiritual life, is to just look and interpret not one thing, but everything in a natural way. And when the world speaks, it speaks, it can only speak in a natural way. And we'll go after it. And when we hear the word preached, we'll interpret that in a natural way. And we can only do that until the Lord is pleased to open our ears and give us truly then to know the difference between natural and spiritual. But it is a vital thing that we realise that there is a difference and it is the Lord that opens the ear that gives one to know what the scriptures are speaking and to know the secret of the Lord which is with them that fear him. So the Lord in our text, the first part is he's making it very clear uh, that the it is the spirit that gives life. It, it, it is not natural. It is not a natural interpretation at all. It is the spirit that quickeneth, that giveth life. The flesh profiteth nothing. If they were to eat his flesh, if, they, if it was just his flesh, if he was not truly God and truly man, if he wasn't truly the eternal God, that would profit nothing. 
but with the divine and human nature of our Lord, it is that that he is spoken of here, not to eat him literally, but that which he came to do. That which especially we're centering in what he was to do in the flesh as the Son of Man, as God manifest in the flesh. So I want to look with the Lord's help. Firstly, the words the Lord speaks. The words that I speak. And then secondly, how they are spoken to us. Because he says, the words that I speak unto you. And then thirdly, how we shall know the Lord's words. And there are three ways that I set before you that we may know the Lord's words, recognise the Lord's words. But firstly, the words the Lord's, Lord speaks. The Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians in his second epistle, he speaks of him coming to them and bringing Christ's gospel. The good news of salvation that is not Paul's gospel, it's not John's or Matthew's, though we refer to them, it is the gospel according to Matthew, according to John, but it is Christ's gospel, it is his good news to sinners from himself. And so the words that the Lord speaks are the gospel words. And our Lord, while upon earth, he revealed gradually to his disciples what he came to do, what he was going to do in the flesh. And really it's, it focuses our attention really to quite a small uh, compass when we think of that. We think of the eternal God dwelling eternally. We think of the creation and, and all that has been done right through the ages in the Old Testament. And then we come to 33 years of our Lord dwelling upon the earth. And without those years and without the Lord being truly man and truly God, there'd be no salvation. What is done in that time, that is what is to comprise the gospel. When Abraham saw Christ die and rejoiced at it, he was able to say to his son who recognised the lack of a lamb for a burnt offering, my son, God, will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Now, in this chapter, the Lord is insisting on everything concerning his flesh, his flesh, his blood, his true manhood, what he was to accomplish on earth. Let's go back to John 3. We think of the new birth, and we, we think of the need of a new start, a new beginning, a new life. And then when we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
is manifest in the flesh and we think of his literal birth, a birth like none other, a birth with the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, wherefore that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And our focus is on Christ manifest in the flesh. And this is what the Lord is directing his hearers here to all the time be thinking of that which he is accomplishing here below and especially when he joins together his blood. When we think of the sacrifice that he was to make at Calvary, it was his broken body. This is what we shall observe in the Lord's Supper. This is what the uh, Lord himself instituted for the church to remember really these two things that are set before us in this chapter. His broken body, his shed blood, his sufferings upon Calvary, uh, the blood that was shed there, that which he accomplished there, that work that he finished, that his Father gave him to do, a work that was fulfilling the Scriptures, a work that uh, culminate or came after his perfect life, spotless life, a righteousness which none of us has, but which was wrought out for every believer to be given to them, imputed to them, a life that we did not live, that he lived for us, and a righteousness that he has made to give to us. You know, if in a natural sense someone did not have uh, clothing, and there are those of you able to do sewing and the person themselves hadn't got clothing and they had no ability to make anything for themselves but you'd got your own clothes and you made other clothes and someone would say to you but you've already got a full wardrobe what are you doing these for? You're saying well I'm doing them for this person I'm going to give them to that person and so it wouldn't be what they had done be what you had done but then you've given it to them and then it becomes theirs and they wear it and it covers their nakedness and that's what the Lord does that is his righteousness that he has lived a life that then he gives to us as if we had lived that perfect spotless life his death was to put away our sins it was to bear the punishment due to them it was to satisfy the law without the shedding of blood there is no remission. It was that there should be uh, the requirement of the law provided the blood. When I see the blood I will pass over you. And so the words that the Lord speaks is that which Paul says I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. When the disciples had the vision on the Mount of Transfiguration, the subject that Moses, Elias, was speaking with our Lord was of his decease, which he would accomplish at Jerusalem. Not perish, not lose his life and nothing be done, but a death that was an accomplishment 
A death that was to bring in everlasting righteousness and everlasting life to the people of God. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So the words that the Lord speaks are his gospel and it is focused on what he accomplished in the days of his flesh and at Calvary. And it is something that, again, the natural man does not receive. And in one sense, as a preacher, it is more easy to preach about providential things, about any subject at all, except the sufferings and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Preaching in that way is, I'm going to say, most challenging for a minister because he himself must be spiritual. He himself must be living close to the Lord and relish and love and himself feed upon those words which, for the natural man, they see no beauty in those words or in the gospel or in our Lord at all. But for those that are spiritual, then this very aspect of the Word of God, this very part of the Word of God, this very subject will be a subject which will grow in their esteem and be uh, be the subject of their meditation, their thoughts and looking into it and like those on the Mount be the subject of what was accomplished there at Calvary. So the words the Lord speaks, and we we can look right through his his teaching, his his ministry here below, and especially as he came nearer and nearer to the cross. He was preparing his dear disciples. He was laying before them what he was about to do for them. I want to then think secondly of how they are spoken to us. Because, of course, our Lord has ascended up into heaven. He is no longer here. When the Lord says that the words that I speak unto you, if they are spoken unto us, How does he do it? Well, we are told in Hebrews that God, in the first verse of of chapter 1 in Hebrews, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. That is the Lord Jesus Christ whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And so we are told that he has spoken, God has spoken unto us by his Son. With the words of the Son, the words of our Lord, are the words of Scripture. We need to be very clear of this, that there is no extra revelation. The Lord says of the work of the Holy Spirit, He shall receive of mine and show it unto you. 
He shall bring to your remembrance all things whatsoever I have said unto you. And so the Spirit shall take of the words of Scripture and he shall bring them to our remembrance. Sometimes it will be that we are in the preaching of the word, in the service of the Lord's house, and there will be those things that are spoken in the preaching. And at the time we might not think that we really have heard or heard the words of the Lord. But a day or so later, they come quite powerfully to our mind. Think, where did I hear that? Where did the oh yes, the Lord's servant spoke from those on the Lord's day. That's when, or we read that in our morning reading. And those things are brought back to your remembrance. And it is in that way that the Lord then speaks to us. His word dwells in us. His word is put within us. We're not forgetful hearers, but hearers that have the word come back like the, uh, the clean animals who chew the cud, they go over it again. The Bereans, they search the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. They remembered what had been said. And so the Lord speaks to us. It hath pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You would remember with Samuel, it is said Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And when the Lord first began to speak to him, he thought it was Eli. Now he knew Eli's voice very well. And many, when the Lord begins to speak to them, they think it is just the minister's voice. They don't think that it is God speaking to them through the minister. Now let us think how many times in the word of God the Lord used like the prophets to speak to people. He uh, uses his servants. He used in Naaman's case with the, in the healing of leprosy. He used the servant girl to speak to Naaman. He used the king's servants to direct him to the prophet. He used the prophet's servant to direct Naaman to wash three times, seven, seven times in Jordan. And when Naaman was uh, angry and wouldn't at first, it was his servants that came and pacified him and caused him to go and do what was required. The Lord all the time exalts servants, those that are doing his will, those that are bringing his word. When we think that the whole word of God, the inspired, infallible word of God that we believe and receive as the word of God, they were human penmen. They wrote, wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And we don't say, well, because of that, it is less than the word of God. It cannot be effectual. It cannot be a blessing. It is. And it comes from the Lord. Those that go to school, those that would have a letter from the principal, they don't say to their parents, you don't bother about that letter. I know the principal didn't write that. I saw the secretary with the typewriter typing that up in the office. It's only from her. But the parent would know that the principal has dictated it. It has the authority of the school, not just of the one that has been the one that's typed it. And so we would know that the words that are spoken to us by the Lord 
come through these channels, through the golden pipes of the word and come through uh, men that are sinners in themselves. We have the example of Cornelius being told by an angel to go and get Peter, who shall speak to you words whereby you shall be saved. And Peter comes and he preaches a gospel to them. Whose gospel? Peter's gospel? No, not Peter's gospel. Christ's gospel. And the Holy Spirit blessed it with power and authority from heaven. We are not to look for extra things or different things than what God has ordained. God said to, uh, in the case of Lazarus and the rich man, when the rich man felt that if Lazarus was to rise from the dead and appear to his brethren, then they would believe. And the Lord said they have Moses and the prophets. That is the written word. If they believe not them, neither will they believe though one rose from the dead. We are not to be looking for uh, those visions and revelations. Peter, he speaks of the Mount of Transfiguration, but then he says we have a more sure word of prophecy where ye take heed. Do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. The word of God. And the Apostle Paul, into the third heavens. But he says, don't be looking for that, but my grace is sufficient for thee. That is what you are to value. And so the word is sufficient. You know, the children of Israel in the wilderness, they had manna, and that is very featured in this account and the Lord never took that away from them they needed it to live but they despised it they despised it they thought it was a small thing nothing special and yet they lived by that you know if we looked at the blessings that Jacob had in his long life you could probably easily count them one hand maybe a few more those blessings that he had where the Lord appeared to him very few over those 137 years or so and yet he was kept alive he was fed with bread from heaven and God's children they have few remarkable special times real times of blessing but the other times they feed upon the word. Many of the Lord's people, they are troubled because they don't retain it. They soon forget it. But we should remember the children of Israel in the wilderness had to have fresh manna day by day. They weren't to hoard it up. And so we'd expect it like our natural food. When we have our meal, we don't expect that eight hours later we're going to still feel as full and still feel as satisfied as we did when we first ate it, eight hours time, we'd be really hungry, we'd be wanting another meal, something new. And so it is in a, in a spiritual way as well. So the words that are spoken to us, how they are, is through the holy word of God, the Bible, through the ministry of the word, through the Holy Spirit taking of the things of Jesus, revealing them to us, and bring to our remembrance those things that have been preached to us and set before us. That is how the Lord speaks to us. 
want to think then thirdly of how we shall know the Lord's words. How we shall know. Don't think it is an easy thing to discern. We mentioned Samuel. And Samuel, he, he had heard twice and told it to Eli. And Eli, he didn't discern it straight away before he directed him to say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And so in one sense, there is to be a discerning uh, of the voice of the Lord and how he speaks. But there are three things whereby we may say the Lord's voice is known. In John chapter 10, the Lord is very clear that my sheep, they hear my voice, they follow me, that they will not follow the voice of strangers. One mark of a sheep, they are given that discernment to actually know the ring or know the sound of the voice of the Lord. A discernment to know whether something really is of the truth or not, whether really it is one that is leading to Christ and speaking faithfully or true, or whether not. In Deuteronomy, the Lord said that he had given a test to his people in sending amongst them false prophets, those that were saying that they'd do a sign, and the sign came to pass, but it was to lead the people away from the true and living God. And the Lord said he'd given it to them to prove them whether they would keep his word or no. So on one hand, there was someone who was saying things had come to pass and it came to pass. Well, you say, isn't that a true prophet? Isn't that the mark of a true prophet? Yes, it is. But when those things that came to pass were leading away from the true and living God, away from the word of God, then which do you follow? you follow the miracles? you follow that man? Or do you follow the word? And God's children had to have that discernment and to realise the authority of the word of God. You know, you would think that the Bereans, they would have said, well, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle, will take everything he says. But they searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. A minister's words should always be tested by the word of God itself. And it will bear witness to the word when it is in accordance to the word of God. And it's good to have that discernment, to have that able to realise. I had it said years ago to me when reading services and uh, I'd forgotten to give out, well, I, I didn't give out who the minister was for a while because I knew there were those that were... Uh, prejudiced against certain ministers and then I forgot to give it out and one challenged me and he said well how do you know how do we know that you're not bringing us error if we don't know who the minister is that you're reading the reading sermon you could be teaching us anything you could be bringing anything I said where is your discernment just because I say I'm reading Philpot you don't say well everything Philpot says is right 
and you don't test it by the word of God, you need that discernment. We need it. And it is God that gives it. The ear trieth words. And if the Lord has given us a new ear, then that will discern. And, and the Lord says, this is the mark of his sheep. They know my voice and they follow me. Another they will not follow. They know not the voice of strangers. It doesn't have a right ring to it. It doesn't accord to the scriptures. There's something that is, is wrong with it, is uneasy with it. Now years ago when I was those eight years of old age, walking home from school, halfway home in the, about the mile we had, there was a, a car drew up going the opposite way to me, beside me. And the person who I didn't know, they said, did I want a lift home? They would give me a lift home. And it went through my mind really, really quick. I don't know this person. They're going that way. I'm walking that way. No, and I just ran all the way home. And you recognise that this is a stranger. This, this doesn't add up. What they're asking, what they're wanting to do is not right. And it is to have that discernment to recognise the word of the Lord will always lead to Christ. Our Lord says in this passage, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. I raise him up at the last day. And it is the Spirit that brings the true word of God. So that is that by recognition is one way. Another way is the nature of those words, those spiritual words. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. They are words that the natural man receiveth not, but they are those that are aiming at a spiritual kingdom, a heavenly kingdom, a holy walk, a spiritual walk, that which comes from the Holy Spirit. And that also will be discerned, the nature of those words. Then there is, thirdly, by their effect, he says they are spirit and they are life. They give life. They impart life. They have the power. My word shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish the thing whereto I sent it. Where there is faith, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It is the effect that that word has. It softens hearts. It causes the sinner to be moved by that word doesn't leave them where it found them thy words were found says Jeremiah and I did eat them they were to the joy and rejoicing of my soul when the Lord spoke words to the blind they saw to the lame they walked when he spoke words to his people then they followed after him and so may we learn the effect of the word of God. And I believe as God's people go on, sometimes when we have a fresh vision, we remember about 40 years and the same effect, the same voice, the same God who has spoken to us. And that recognition is a very sweet, very sacred thing to recognise that it is the same. 
Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. God is known by the judgment that he executeth, his handiwork. Those of you that were no tradesmen, uh, some of you perhaps in, in the gardening, you could, you could go past a hedge, you could look at that hedge and say, I know who cut that. Just by the handiwork, just by what's that done. You see a house, I know who built that because of their style, because of the quality of the work. You, the person might not even be there, but you see the effect of it and recognise it. And so it is that God is known by his work as well. Beth Hewell and Laban were able to say, the thing proceedeth from the Lord. This is the Lord's doing and is marvellous in our eyes. So may we truly know the words of the Lord, know that they are spirit and are life, and in receiving them, know that the Lord also has quickened us into life and given us a hearing ear, and that there is a difference. We once were just natural, but now the Lord has given us a spiritual ear, and we hear different. Those jealous, a member with us for many years. She said, when the Lord began with her, she had a new Bible and a new hymn book. They were the same books, but the way that she was reading them was with new ears and seeing with new eyes. And that's what we need, spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, and to hear the words spiritually, and then to know that this is the Lord speaking to us. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.